1: Welcome to the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's always powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host and Utes Insider, Trevor Allen. Thank you guys so much for joining me for another episode of the podcast. You guys can hit me up on Twitter at TrevorA Sports and also at KSL Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a good show for you guys coming up today. We'll talk with Phil Steele, the college football guru. He puts out a preview magazine every single year. And he just released his 2020 edition over the last week. And so we will catch up with him and talk about the Utes, the quarterback battle, the Pac-12, and much, much more coming up as we still continue to wait to see what happens with Utah and in the Pac-12 as far as the football season. We already know that the conference is going to a conference-only schedule for the 2020 season. But uh, are they going to play it in the fall? Are they going to play it in the spring? Are they going nine games, 10 games, 11 games? How are they going to do this? So hopefully we'll have answers within the next week or so because the uh, conference did say that they will have scheduled details released by no later than July 31st. So we have about nine days until they will have that announcement to us at least. And I'm guessing sometime in between that, that we will get the answers for that. So, And then just to keep you guys up to date on some of the Utes that are in the NFL, the rookies. Bradley and I and Jalen Johnson have signed their rookie contracts with the Dallas Cowboys and the Chicago Bears. And it sounds like, at least as of when we're taping this, Leckie Foto and Terrell Burgess still need to sign their contracts. But they are starting to report to camp and starting to get their professional careers underway. And then Utah linebacker Devin Lloyd has been named to the Buck Kiss Award watch list, which it, the award is given to the best linebacker in college football really happy to catch up with our next guest here on the crimson corner podcast we go to a guy who is full of information a college football guru he puts out a college football preview magazine out every single year and it is the absolute best in the entire country we go to phil still phil how are you man
0: you know i'm doing great trevor how about yourself my friend?
1: doing pretty good so i just want to take a you know step back talking about the utes from last year obviously 11 win season You had them pegged to go to the college football playoff, and I feel like had they beat Oregon in that Pac-12 championship game, they would have been there, but obviously lost the last two games, you know, also losing to Texas in the Alamo Bowl. But all in all, what were your thoughts on Kyle Whittingham's team in 2019? Yeah, they were exactly who I thought
0: they were last year. You go to the fact that, uh, you know, they had a great run defense all season long. They had a balanced offense. Sort of dominated teams down the stretch heading into that Pac-12 title game, and, I felt really good about that number one surprise team pick with Utah last year, going into that game against Oregon. But a disappointing effort against Oregon, as you mentioned, disappointing finish to the season. So it's a Utah team that I thought had playoff potential. They lived up to it, just came up one game short, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, and and it obviously seemed like that they just could not stop the run game. We knew going into that game against Oregon that it was going to be the battle of the trenches with Utah's O line and Oregon's D line, and then the other way around. It was just who was going to win the battle, and it just seemed like Oregon's D-line was too much for Utah to handle. Yeah,
0: fourth down conversion served a little bit, too, in that game. Uh, Utah was going for it a couple of times and came up short, and I thought those were some some key plays that switch it around. But yeah, Oregon had one of the best offensive lines in the country last year. I, I had them rated right as the number one offensive line coming in, and they lived up to that billing, especially in the
1: Pac-12 title game. As we look ahead to this year, obviously Tyler Huntley, Zach Moss, Bradley and I and company are gone. Utah will have to filled nine new uh, starting spots on defense and then three key starter positions on offense. I want to start out with uh, a quarterback position. Jake Bentley comes in as a graduate transfer, but they've also picked up, and, and he's now eligible now, Texas transfer Cam Rising. In your magazine, you have uh, Jake Bentley beating out Cameron Rising in the quarterback battle. Why Bentley over Rising? You know, it was one of those fifty-one forty-nine 49
0: things. Uh, you take a look at Bentley. He's a guy that does have more experience. Big arm. He's got SEC experience. He's got the great mentality. Uh, and he's, he's a coach's son. He's a professional, makes good decisions. So he's a QB at 6'4, 220, can definitely do it all. But Cam Rising, this guy is a, a big, strong kid as well. He's 6'3, 225, great escapability Bentley was my number 11 rated quarterback out of high school. Rising was my number 15 rated quarterback out of high school. And you know, the thing about Rising, he did well on the scout team last year. So I think what, uh, Coach Winningham's got himself in a pretty good situation here, a two-horse race, uh, and he's going to tailor the offense, I think, to whichever quarterback wins it. But it should be a, a pretty good depth at that quarterback position, which is unusual because at most schools, when somebody doesn't win the starting job, they transfer. But at least here we got two guys battling for the job, probably all the way into uh, when we start this thing off.
1: One of the key things for Utah coming back is that they have a really good old line coming back with, you know, they only lost one starter in Darren Paulo, but then you look over on defense. They obviously had seven guys drafted into the NFL. Six of them came on defense and basically you have to fill in a whole new, new secondary. How big of a challenge is that going to be, especially during this time where Utah didn't have spring ball?
0: Yeah, and if you're expecting Utah to allow 269 yards per game again like they did last year, then it might be a little bit of a stretch. But there's this one guy, Kyle Whittingham, still the head coach here. And so generally he produces a solid defense, whether he's got a few returning starters or a lot. So despite the fact just two returning starters, you start out with uh, Walla up front at the the defensive tackle position. He's a big guy at 6'5", 315. He's agile, athletic. And uh, I think he's going to step right in and be one of those next great Utah defensive linemen. Uh, Coach Whittingham feels they're going to reload on the D-line, and I can see that this year. There's talent up front, and as we know, Utah produces an outstanding defensive line. Now, will it be up to last year's standards? No, it's definitely going to be a step down, but it's still going to be a top-notch D-line. Then you look at Devin Lloyd and FD Sewell at the um, uh, linebacker's positions, I think,
1: As you go back over on offense, there's, you know, a, a lot of playmakers coming back, especially at the wideouts. They're, they only lost two guys in that, but obviously bring back Britton Covey and others. What are some of the playmakers you're looking to watch for on Utah's offense this year? Well, whoever wins quarterback, I think he's going to be a
0: playmaker. And then you're looking at running back. Uh, I've got Jordan uh, Wilmore the, uh the uh, running 5'8", 206. Uh, he was my 35-rated running back out of high school. Got him pegged as the starting running back with Devin Rumfield's right behind him. Ty Jordan, a true freshman, a number 41 rated running back. Texas wanted him. He's got tremendous skill sets. I think they're pretty deep at running back. Now, do I see a Zach Moss, someone that's going to rush for 1,400 yards and six yards a carry like last year? No, I don't see that. But I think it's going to be more of a running back by committee, and they'll be productive. If you look at the receiving court, you know, Brad Keeney is one of the top tight ends in the country. And, uh, you know, they've got very dangerous there Fotheringham is another solid tight end Brian Thompson so it's a deep receiving core solid offensive line good quarterback you know it's going to be a little different watching Utah I mean last year if you had uh, you know you thought of a defensive game coming in I think
1: questions is, how does Utah stack up against the Pac-12? Obviously, they've won the South Division in the last two years, wasn't able to get it done it in either of the uh, title games. In your magazine, you actually have Utah coming out at number two behind the USC Trojans in the South Division, but many would think that maybe the Sun Devils might have something to say about that. Why Utah ahead of ASU? I think when you when
0: you look at Utah, the offenses we touched on, if you go to Arizona State, uh, I've got a couple of questions. The questions would be, Maybe at the offensive line. When you look at the offensive line, they only have one returning starter up front, so Utah definitely has a better offensive line. Uh, you got to love Arizona State's quarterback and Jade Daniels, but there are some question marks maybe at the running back spot and not as deep a receiver, even though they have Frank Darby back. They could lose three of the top four receivers from last year. Defensively, they'll be good, uh, and right there, but uh, I thought Utah was a better team last year. The teams are sort of equal experience wise heading into this year. And that's uh, one of the reasons I picked Utah, I had Arizona State. It was close uh, between the two, but I I think Utah is going to be
1: a legitimate challenger to USC in that top Division. And then, uh, obviously, the favorite to win the conference is Oregon. I mean, other than losing Herbert, they've reloaded and they have a really talented team coming back, potentially a playoff team. Is there any team in the Pac-12 who, you know, shocked the world and beat Oregon for that Pac-12 title?
0: In the Pac-12 North or in the
1: Pac-12 overall? Uh, overall.
0: Yeah, I like I like USC's talent. I mean, USC coming back is, is loaded. Now, it wouldn't be a shock in the world. I mean, everybody realizes Keaton Slovis, uh, St. Brown and Bonds, a receiver, one of the best offensive lines in the country. The defense loaded with studs out of uh, high school. I think they're going to really do well. They have nine starters back on D. But if you're looking for a team to come out of the two favorites, which would be USC and Oregon, I would go with Washington this year. And I think Jimmy Lake has got a team where last year he only had two returning starters on defense. This year he's got nine. You know the defense is going to be one of the best in the Pac-12. And while they lose a lot on offense, I mean, their quarterback, uh, Jacob Eason, gone, top running back,
1: Yeah, and I was shocked last year that Washington, because they were obviously supposed to be one of the favorites in the conference and just really didn't perform to that level. And I think a lot of it was on, on that defense. They didn't have as much guys, you know, that were better in pieces. And now a lot of those guys come back, it seems. Yeah, they were one of the least experienced teams
0: in college football last year, which is why I picked Oregon to win that division. And, you know, Washington actually gave the teams much better. Very close games. You look at the Oregon game and the Utah game. Utah, as you remember, Washington's winning that one in the third quarter. The Oregon game, Washington's winning that one in the fourth quarter. And that surprised me a little bit because Washington wasn't an experienced team last year. So I actually played Oregon and Utah closer than I thought. I was sweating bullets in that Utah-Washington game uh, for a good portion of it. As you know, I like to work for the team's I pick highly in my magazine. So I was a Youth fan last year, and uh, Washington gave me a little bit of a scare.
1: Yeah, that was a little crazy, especially, you know, in that uh, third quarter, they they really turned things around. I think a lot of it was when Jalen Johnson had had that pick six, completely swung the whole game around. I kind of want to look at the whole picture of the Pac-12. Is this going to be a very competitive league compared to what they have been in past years? I know that they haven't gone to the playoff in a while. Is that getting better, or are they turning in the right direction, or are they just just about where they were last year? Well, I think.
0: And surprised me a little bit is how inexperienced they were, how well they played. Uh, I think when you do look at the... This- Seven and uh, they were beat Washington State 53-42 to four seventeen. Left they had a ball locked up. They just let it slip away. This year they could kick down the door and get to a ball. And then Nick has surprised me at Hawaii. Uh, the last two years they did much better than expected. And he is a first year head coach. He is taking over a brand new situation. They are learning a new offense. All that factored in, but uh, they could be better than expected. And you touched on USC, Utah, and Arizona State. I think that one gap in the Pac-12 would be in the South. I think those three are clearly the top teams. And then you go to the bottom, UCLA, Arizona, and Colorado. Those three teams, to me, are clearly a step back from the top three. So that would be maybe the, the weakness of the Pac-12 would be the bottom of the Pac-12 South. But you never know. UCLA could finally get there in Chip Kelly's third year. And Kevin Sumlin also enters his third year. And there's talent at Colorado. But Carl Durrell is one of those first-year head coaches.
1: Now, do you think that Oregon can make it to the college football playoff?
0: Could be tough this year with the, uh, you know, I think if you have all five Power Five conferences have a legitimate team up top, the fact that Pac-12 is not playing non-conference games that could go out there and prove it. Uh, but let's take the Ducks and say that uh, they beat everybody and beat USC convincingly in the Pac-12 title game and they're undefeated at the end of the year, they, why not? Why not put a Pac-12 team in there and don't discount USC? USC is a team that has a lot of talent. And, you know, go back and look at a couple of losses that USC had last year. Remember, they beat Utah. Uh, they then had a, uh, they gave Slovis his first road start the next or two weeks later at BYU and they came up just three points short in overtime. They gave their third-string quarterback his first road start at Washington, blew through opportunities in the red zone in that game, uh, and ended up losing. And then they lost to Notre Dame by three points. A lot of talent for USC, a the teams with the coaches.
1: I thought USC and Oregon were the two most complete teams in the Pac-12. As you look at Utah's schedule, I mean, obviously we don't know how many games they're going to be playing with conference only, but at, at their old schedule, how many wins did you see Utah having going into the year?
0: The games I had a slight underdog in would have been Cal and Arizona State, and USC would have been a toss-up game at home and favored in all the other games. So I think the USC game is pivotal uh, for the Pac-12 title chances, and that's why I consider Utah, despite the losses, despite the fact they're number one twenty-seven on the experience chart, being a contender with USC because USC does face uh, a little bit of a tougher schedule. USC draws Oregon. And they have to play them on the road this year. They also have to play at Utah.
1: And those two factors could go into Utah actually winning the Pac-12 South this year. Now, I want to look at the broader picture. As we say here in July, who do you think is going to win the national championship come January? Yeah, I would say that that's. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it seems like it's either you know put in Alabama or you know you usually have that one sleeper team here and there, but I mean it seems like it's the others all the time, and it, it's kind of the way college football Utah. is.
0: Utah was my sleeper last year. I know who my sleeper is this year?
1: Who? Uh, we're going
0: to the SEC, taking Texas A and M. Mm.
1: Let
0: me give you a couple of reasons. Let me give you a couple of reasons why. Last year when I went over the team with Coach Fisher, two things.
1: something you vote on is the highest award in college football and that is the Heisman Trophy obviously Justin Fields is a guy out there as well as Trevor Lawrence who are your early favorites to win the Heisman yeah those would
0: be my top two favorites naturally if you're a quarterback for an undefeated team putting a big stats you know with Justin Fields he had everything he had all the intangibles you want the only thing I wondered about last year was can this guy read the defense and then as it was uh, he had 41 touchdown passes and three interceptions. Well, guess what? <laughs> this guy can read a defense. So that that was uh, a point. And I've got Ohio State winning it all this year. So I've got just a field to win the Heisman. And then Trevor Lawrence is a guy who last year maybe took a few chances early. Maybe he felt invincible. He had eight eight interceptions in the first seven games. Uh, but then all of a sudden, the last seven games, 22 touchdown passes, zero interceptions. Clemson's got a schedule where well, they'll be favored in every game. I think those two are your top two favorites. Other names to toss out there, Sam Ellinger at Texas, Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. you got to have an Oklahoma player on your list, right? Yeah. a quarterback, I should say. Uh, Chuba Hubbard of Oklahoma State, who a couple thousand yards last year, and Keaton Slovis of USC, also in the mix this year.
1: Keaton Slovis, I like that pick. I mean, as far as the dark horse, I think that he could have a really special year, especially because they only lost, I think, one big weapon, that wide out for the Trojans, and but I also think that this is kind of the year where Clay Helton's got to win now in order to keep his job.
0: Yeah, he's been on the hot seat the last couple of years. In fact, people some people were amazed he didn't get fired last year, but I look at and if they can stay healthy, unlike last year when they suffered a lot of injuries, um, then I, I think they, they have a threat to, to really make some noise this year.
1: Well, Phil, something that I've, I've loved about this, you know, you've put out the magazine at a really good time because, you know, people are still in quarantine and things like that. And a great thing to pass time is to catch your, your magazine. So if fans haven't gotten a hold of it yet, which I don't know what they're thinking. If they haven't, where can they find your college football preview magazine? year uh, is that it's
0: a, a different distribution than in past years. In past years, Trevor, we put out a couple hundred thousand magazines. They've been everywhere. Grocery stores, every bookstore, Walmarts, Walgreens, places like that. But don't go to those places this year because they're not there. The only places that they're out in stores is Barnes & Noble and Books a Million. So if you go to a Barnes & Noble or a Books a Million, you can get the magazine there. And if you don't have one in the area, you can go to philseal.com that's dot com. We only printed 50,000 magazines this year, so a lot less magazines. Go to philsteel.com uh, to get it, or Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, are the exclusive dealers this
1: year. And you guys can also follow Phil on Twitter at philsteel042. Phil, it's always good to catch up with you, and uh, hopefully we'll have a lot of college football to talk about throughout the year. Thank you so much for joining me.
0: Sounds great, Trevor. Always good talking football with you, my
1: friend. And there you go. That was Phil Steele. Make sure you guys check out philsteele.com. I ordered his digital version and it, and it's just as good as the book itself. So, I would recommend going over to philsteele.com and order yourself a copy of the College Football Preview magazine. It's always good to catch up with him. He's such a wealth of knowledge and puts a lot of work into these preview magazines each and every year. Talks to tries to talk to every single coach in college football. So I'm glad that I was able to catch up with him. I've, I've known Phil for the last few years and I've gotten to know him. And he's always a great guest to talk college football with. So make sure you guys check out his stuff at philstill.com. Well, that will do it for this edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. Make sure you guys check out kslsports.com and follow me on Twitter at Trevor A. Sports and at KSL Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, you've been listening to the Crimson Corner Podcast and it's always powered by kslsports.com.